this is Pastor Nate Ward with Open Door Church, and I wanted to take a moment to welcome you to our podcast. It's my personal prayer that you would be encouraged and encountered by the Holy Spirit and challenged by His Word. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. Guys, we've been teaching about the fear of the Lord uh, on Sunday mornings and on Sunday nights, and it's something that uh, I've really felt challenged by the Holy Spirit to have a healthy understanding of, uh, especially in preparation for what I believe the Lord wants to do in our community. I think it's a concept um, or it's a theme throughout Scripture that we kind of steer away from because we don't fully understand it. It can be kind of confusing even in a sense. Right? We're supposed to fear God, but perfect love casts out our, all fear. Right? We're, we're supposed to fear God, but we're supposed to love God. I mean, and we, we, have this, we have this, it's almost this dichotomy that exists between what we expect God to be like and how we're supposed to respond to him. And uh, I want to tell you this morning that those things, loving Jesus and fearing Jesus, are not in opposition to each other. And uh, it's not the same as being afraid of God. And so I might, uh, I might spend a little bit of time this morning rehashing some of the things that we've talked about over the last like six weeks. Um, I use that number. I pulled that number out of thin air. I think it's only been four weeks. Um, thin air? As thick air? I don't know. I don't know what that means. But uh, I, I want you to understand the reasoning for some of the rehashing. I um, mean, that's because I believe for us to have a, a, a solid foundation of understanding what the fear of the Lord is and how we grow in it, that's going to be pivotal for encountering God in a way that will transform our community. Um, I really believe that God has something in store uh, by way of his spirit for our city, for our community, for families and homes um, that is going to be directly married to this concept of the fear of the Lord and how important it is to our lives as believers. And so we've been talking about this, and I had actually prepared a message last week uh, for Father's Day that I was really excited about because the text matched perfectly with Father's Day. And if you know me, I'm not really big on themed messages, like as far as like corresponding holidays. I have a hard time with like Christmas and Easter making those match. Like Easter, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, I'm supposed to preach on the resurrection of Jesus, and I missed it this year because I preached on the resurrection of, uh, of uh, Lazarus. I was, I was just going to say, what's his face? But Lazarus, Lazarus, what's his face? They're kind of the same thing. And so if you know me, it's been a struggle. Uh, in fact, Mother's Day for the last six years, Adam Perez has taught on Mother's Day because I, I, I was just intimidated by the fact that how am I supposed to have a message about moms? And uh, he did a fantastic job, and this was the first year I preached on Mother's Day uh, since being a pastor of any kind. So that was a big deal. Um, <laughs> So I, I, all this to say, I was excited to have a message that thematically fit in with a holiday. And uh, in preparation for that, as I spent some more time with the Lord, my introduction to that message grew longer and longer and longer until I felt like, God, this is where we're supposed to rest. And so you get my Father's Day message today. Amen? How about that? 
<laughs> Happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are in the room. You guys get 2.0. <laughs> but last week, my, uh, my introduction grew to, to a place that was really uh, um, turned into a, a full-length message, and we talked about Nadab and Abihu and the profane fire that they offered before the Lord back in Leviticus chapter 10. And it was kind of, uh, it was kind of a, maybe a strange direction in, initially that we wound up going. But uh, the, the whole theme of that message last week was that our responsibility as men and women of God is to worship Him as He wants us to. The, 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 what ended so disastrously for Nadab and Abihu, they were the sons of Aaron. They came into the presence of the Lord and offered a profane fire on the altar um, to the Lord. And it so uh, hurt God's heart that they were consumed and they died. Um, and after their death, uh, the Lord issues this command through Moses and uh, Leviticus chapter 10, verse 3, it says, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. And there was this sense that they had treated the God of all the universe as just another common being, just another common thing. He wasn't regarded as holy because they failed to obey his word and offer the fire that he provided. And the whole theme last week was that we have to worship God on his terms, not ours. You know, I think there's this this kind of school of thought that exists that we, uh, you know, do whatever makes you feel right. Like, be authentic to yourself. And uh, in a sense, I'm not trying to encourage anybody to be different or be somebody that they're not. But at the end of the day, our actions have to line up with what he requires from us regardless of personality, regardless of our uniqueness, regardless of what we like and what we don't, uh, there are specific things that God likes and specific things that God wants. And it's important for us to live our lives in such a way that honors him by abiding by his will and his word. And so that was the overarching theme of last week and this regard of the Lord as holy which could easily kind of translate into a definition of what the fear of the Lord is. Um, there has to be a holy reverence amongst us as God's people, right? That's what Moses said. He said, uh, and he said that the Lord says, by those who come near me, how many of us want to come near to the Lord? How many of us want to draw near to God? We want to be with him where he is. We want to experience him like he wants us to experience him, right? We don't want there to be distance in our relationship with Jesus. And so if we're going to come near to God, he must be regarded as holy. In the midst of the congregation, he must be glorified. And uh, friends, if we're going to lay hold of these promises, right? We, James 4, God, if we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. Or, or we're quick to say that we want to, we want to have God sit enthroned upon the praises of his people. In fact, we went as far as to um, have a whole theme for the entire year, two years ago, as a church, that we were going to be people of the presence, right? Exodus chapter 30, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, we're not going to go. Right? We want to be people of, people of presence, and uh, that's so directly tied 
with this concept of the fear of the Lord, of holding God in a high regard. Right? I gave that awesome one-liner. I'm not a big one-liner guy, but sometimes I come up with a good ones. And that was uh, reverence equals presence. You guys remember that? You guys can write that down. Reverence equals presence. That's easy enough to remember. If you don't remember anything else I say, um, because God's attracted to the place where he's honored. Right? It's, it's, it's the same thing just in regular like, life. If we, if we had a group of friends and we just showed up and they continually disregarded us and didn't talk about us or didn't give us the light of day, we probably would stop hanging out with those people, right? <laughs> we'd probably eventually just stop showing up. But in a place where, you know, we show up and it's clear that we're wanted there and that we're engaged and, you know, that they like us and they, they continue like, hey, could I get you something or could, I, could, could, could we honor you? We're like, yeah, I want to go back there. That's why we all like Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> you, you feel good. You feel honored. If, if you disagree with me, you can be wrong. That's okay. Um, <laughs> But uh, in that sense, I believe it's true with the Lord. In a place where he's honored, uh, he'll continue to manifest his presence. And it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. A.W. Tozer says this, and I mentioned it last week, but I believe this is so foundational for us as we talk about the fear of the Lord. He says that the greatness of God rouses fear within us, but his goodness encourages us not to be afraid of him. To fear and not be afraid, that is the paradox of faith. And uh, again, I, I realize I'm, I'm trying to go over just a few key points of what we've been talking about. But when I'm talking about the fear of the Lord, I'm not talking about being afraid of God in just the sense of being afraid like you're afraid of sharks or you're afraid of dying or you're afraid of, you know, the number 13 or something like that. <laughs> um, Trichodecaphobia. It's the fear of the number 13. Spell that for your spelling bee. Uh, it's, it's actually spelled just like it sounds. But, uh, <laughs> sorry. I say all this because um, I need you to understand that the fear of the Lord is a holy fear of displeasing God. And that, that, is, that is where it comes down to. It's not necessarily a fear of judgment, right? Because we talked about the fear of judgment. And that's not the positive fear of the Lord that we read about in Scripture. The fear of the Lord is a fear of there ever being distance between you and Him. And it's that fear. Um, it's a healthy respect. It's motivated by awe. It's motivated by wonder. And it's motivated by His goodness. And it's actually, um, it's actually important for us to understand the difference because there is a fear of God that people have that, oh man, he's going to send me to hell. And that's still a, a right-placed fear, but it's not the positive fear of the Lord that we're talking about in the life of the believer. Because if, if you as a believer still have a fear of going to hell, um, there's something wrong. We're supposed to be having a fear of displeasing God. And uh, one fear will replace the other. And... That's important to note. Okay, that's my introduction, and we're going to jump into the text this morning. So if you'll turn with me to Psalm 128, we're primarily going to be focused on verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read uh, those verses to you right now. It says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. 
blessing and prosperity will be yours. You go on to read the rest of this very short chapter and uh, you have promises that your wife will be a fruitful vine. That's awesome, right? Uh, and it talks about lineage and it talks about heritage. It talks about how your sons will be like olive shoots, which I'm guessing are all good things, right? <laughs> That's... I, I, the author seems to think that they're good things and there might be some context there that we could read into later. But essentially, it's going to go well and it would have been a perfect Father's Day message. But that was last week and so I can't preach on it now. We're just going to focus on the first two verses here that I believe are um, appropriate for all of us. And because it begins with number one, this is my first point, that there is blessing for all of those who fear the Lord. Um, It doesn't say just for the guys doesn't say just for the girls. It's everyone who fears God. There it's blessing reserved for them. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. And uh, I need you to understand this. So over 300 times throughout scripture, the fear of the Lord is mentioned and it's always in a positive light. Um, There are other like what we talked about last week when we looked at Hebrews chapter 10 and we looked at the fear of falling into the hands of living God. We looked at some different aspects of fearing God in a way that if you don't know him, there's very much a terrible judgment that awaits and a fear that is rightfully placed there. But when we're talking about this theme of the fear of the Lord, especially in the midst of the life of the believer, um, that it's mentioned over 300 times. Every single time it's mentioned, it's in a positive regard. It's considered a positive attribute to have. And almost every single time it's mentioned, there's some sort of promise that is made for those who fear the Lord. And uh, this is something that you need to understand, that the blessing of God is directly associated with the fear of the Lord. And those who fear him position themselves for blessing. Now, you need to understand, blessing is not the reason why we seek God. You know, I... I was talking to Teresa earlier as she was singing this song, this Nothing Else Matters song, the first song that she sung. I love this song. It's, I'm not here for blessing. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. She's like, oh, should I still sing this song? Because, and uh, no, of course. And so I need you to understand that um, we're not seeking the Lord for blessing. But it's kind of like the cherry that comes on top of the ice cream sundae, Right? When you serve God, it positions us to receive blessing. It positions us to receive favor from the Lord. And there are added benefits that come to serving Jesus. Now, understand that can't be our motivation for coming to him. That's not, I don't want us to mistakenly or hear maybe what I'm preaching about this morning saying, okay, if I fear God, um, I'm going to get a lot of money or things are going to go really well. And all of these different things that kind of are associated when we talk about blessing and even the word prosperity here. And so there is the word prosperity that is mentioned in this verse. Um, I don't want you to take it in the regard that we somehow serve Jesus to get something. We serve Jesus based on who he is. But I do believe that it's beneficial for us to understand in the context of serving him for who he is, of fearing him for who he is, of uh, loving him for who he is, that does position us to receive tremendous blessing and favor from God. And it's something that you need to uh, be understanding of. And so my first point is there is blessing that is reserved for those who fear God. 
And there's a lot of them. I mean, over 300 times the fear of the Lord is mentioned, and some of those overlap. But there are some awesome blessings for those that fear God. In fact, um, I have another teaching reserve that was initially part of this teaching, but again, this one broke up into more than one because you don't want to hear me talk for three hours. Of, I, I modeled it off of like one of those clickbait lists that you might see on the internet of these top seven things. Number five will shock you, and you have to click on it. Um, I have a whole list of the blessings of God. And can I tell you, number five is going to be really good. You're going to want to know what it is. But you have to wait for, for that, and it'll count down to the top one, which I believe is the best blessing of all for those who fear the Lord. And uh, it's going to be fun, and it's not going to be this morning because uh, it's going to be later, and you can listen to it on the podcast if you want to. It'll be good. Uh, <laughs> but number one, there is blessing for all of those who fear the Lord. I want you to take special note. My second, bless, my second point here is that the fear of the Lord is directly correlated to the obedience of those who follow him. Notice here it says, Blessed are the, all those who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. What it's saying here is that those who fear God walk in obedience to him. Those two things are are synonymous for one another. That if you're obeying him, it equates to the fear of the Lord. If you fear God, it's going to equate um, to obeying him. In fact, that's a consistent theme throughout the entirety of every mention of the fear of the Lord is that it, it actually serves as, uh, it serves as a means to actually obey God. If you fear him, you will obey him. In fact, that's, I mean, if you break it down to the very kind of simple functions of what obedience is, it's uh, of what God's asked us to do. He's asked us not to sin. <laughs> I mean, he's asked us to be with him. There are, sin is what separates us from God. And I believe that the fear of the Lord actually keeps us from sin. Proverbs 8.13 says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 16.6 says, unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin which is awesome because you can actually, that's actually a messianic promise there uh, in the Old Testament. You talk about the unfailing love of Jesus and his faithfulness to do what he's supposed to do, right? Your faithful God. <laughs> um, he actually makes atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people avoid sin. <laughs> that's, that's a simple promise there. And I love this, Ecclesiastes uh, 12, 13, the way that Solomon ends out his book. He says, this is the end of the matter. All has been heard. He's basically saying nothing else matters aside from this. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And so um, I say this because I believe obedience is so closely tied up in what the fear of the Lord is. It's important for us to understand that uh, we don't somehow try really hard to obey God. Because I don't know if you have done this where you've just tried really hard not to sin. <laughs> like I think really, I'm not going to sin for the next 30 seconds. I'm not going to sin for the next 30 seconds. 29, 20. And most of the time I wind up, uh, wind up blowing it within those 30 seconds. I always believe a greater motivation for not sinning is loving Jesus more. If I divert my energy from trying not to sin to actually trying to love Jesus, um, I find a lot greater success. Does that make sense? Um, so the extent to which we know God, 
the extent to which we love God, to the extent that we obey God, they're all directly connected uh, to the measure that we fear God. I don't believe that you can love God. (laughs) I don't believe that you obey God. I don't believe that you please God or that you fear God more than one or the other. I believe that they're all correlated Um, I believe they're all connected. And if you grow in love for the Lord, you're going to grow in fear of the Lord. If you grow in obedience of doing what he wants you to do, uh, you're going to grow in love for Jesus. And I say that because that's what Jesus actually says in John 14. John 14, he talks a lot about love and obedience, right? John 14, 15 says that if you love me, you'll do what I command. Wow, how often do I miss that mark? Jesus tells me to do some hard things sometimes. He tells me to take up my cross and deny myself when the world is saying, treat yourself. But yet, I love you, Jesus. I want to grow in my love for Jesus. And if I'm going to grow in love for Jesus, I'm going to grow in obedience. In the same way that if I'm going to grow in obedience, I'm going to love Jesus more. (laughs) He goes on to say in verse 23, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and he will come and make home with each of them. Friends, I want to love Jesus more. And I used to think that somehow I had to prove my love for Jesus by being super obedient, by trying really hard. And uh, I want you to understand, friends, that you, like, white-knuckling it, just really holding on, trying really hard, is going to result in failure 100% of the time. And that's good news. You might say, what does that mean? Because guess what? (laughs) You can't do it. But I do believe as you love Jesus more and as you grow in love for Jesus and as you grow in the fear of the Lord, obedience comes as a byproduct. Does that make sense? Obedience to the word of God, obedience to who he is and what he said and his will for your life is a good measuring rod for how much you love him and how much you fear him. And as you grow in both of those, obedience is going to come as a byproduct. Does that make sense? You guys got it? But they're so closely connected, all of them. And uh, I want you to know that that is one of the primary aspects of the fear of the Lord. So if you're saying, you know what, I struggle with sin, and I believe we all do, um, (laughs) and we're struggling to honor the Lord in a sense of we want to do what is right, we need to grow in the fear of the Lord. And that's going to develop, and that's going to tie so closely in with the love of the Lord, and obedience is going to manifest as a result. Does that make sense? And so for that reason, you guys should be joining us on Sunday nights where we're talking about practical steps in how to grow in the fear of the Lord. I even give homework. Say yay, homework. (laughs) My homework was fun this week. I hope you all did it. I did it, and my homework was fun. If you don't know what I'm talking about, now you're just, I'm I'm saying all this, so your ears are itching. It's like, what was he talking about? Homework. What kind of homework was fun? Now you'll either have to go listen to the podcast or come on Sunday nights. And it'll be good. But I love the second part of these two verses. Verse 2 says that you'll eat the fruit of your labor, blessing 
and prosperity will be yours. If you fear God, if you walk in obedience to him, you're going to eat the fruit of your labor. That, what, what, what does that mean? It, it, it's, a, uh, it's kind of a positive reinforcement of what we read about in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, where Paul's talking about sowing and reaping, right? There's this notion that uh, you are going to reap what you sow. And the fruit of your labor, if you fear God and walk in obedience to him, is going to be blessing, right? You sow good things, you get good things in return. You sow bad things, you get bad things in return, right? It's pretty, it's pretty simple, right? If I go out and I plant a bunch of hatched chilies, I'm going to reap a bunch of hatched chilies, and it's not going to be that good. But if I go plant a bunch of Pueblo chilies, and I reap a bunch of Pueblo chilies, it's going to be good, Right? Amen? Can I get an amen? There we go. I got, I'll preach into this half of the room right now. They fear God. No. <laughs> right? I can't go plant, plant hatch chilies and expect to get good Pueblo chilies, can I? There we go. <laughs> it's a matter of opinion, and you can be wrong if you want to. But Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Right? There's a simple biblical kingdom principle that applies whether you fear God or not. You will reap what you sow. If you sow, if you sow selfishness, you're going to reap selfishness. It's a... Uh, it's, it's a more biblical, holy approach, similar to the concept of what, I, I don't know if it's Buddha, Buddhism has a, in karma. I don't, know, I don't know enough about that to make a direct comparison. I know like pop culture references, but there is this notion that you will reap what you sow. And uh, so don't take that, if karma may mean something way different than what I think it means. So I'm not an expert on that. <laughs> I don't want to be preaching heresy. Um, but I, I really wanted to end my teaching this morning with seven principles that I found um, about sowing and reaping in terms of blessing. Because we, we have to read these in regard to what a man sows, he reaps. And we're talking about if we sow obediently into the Lord, we're going to reap a blessing from God. And that, that only happens when we walk in the fear of the Lord. I think it's important to note at this stage that this word blessed uh, is the man who fears the Lord, or blessed are all those who fear in the Lord, who walk in obedience with him. The, the actual Hebrew here is translated happy, <laughs> or extremely happy. There's this notion, and, and happy just doesn't do... Uh, do it justice quite the same way. And so some translations will talk about the extremely joyful. Um, but there is this connotation that it's a good thing. How many of you guys like to be happy? Four of you like to be happy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we have other problems. Uh, you, it, it, we want to be happy. And I believe that we want to be blessed. It's a good thing that God has for us. And I believe that comes when we sow obediently into the fear of the Lord. We will reap what we sow. 
And so I, I came across seven laws, and this, this isn't a Pastornate original here. I borrowed this with permission from the late Reverend uh, Hampton Keithley. He was actually a professor at Moody Bible College and also, also Multnomah Bible College. Um, and he, he has this, it's 52 pages long, and I thought I could print like handouts for everybody that was really good because when I was reading it on my phone, it didn't seem that long. Um, but when I went to go print it, it was really long. So I printed one copy um, and I put it out there on the back uh, foyer if anybody would like to be interested in picking it up. But it was the seven principles of reaping and sowing. And he, he examines it from a biblical perspective that I thought was so practical that I needed to share it with us. So what I'm about to share with you is Pastor Nate's ultra, ultra, ultra uh, condensed version here. It's uh, it's definitely a bridge. <laughs> but if you're interested in where I uh, stole this from, uh, I do have that resource out there that I w- it's, it's, it's a good afternoon's read, but it's a very, very practical information. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to break it down here. Law number one. So these are the seven laws of sowing and reaping. And I remember, I want you to have this in the back of your mind in the context of sowing blessing. Because sometimes we think about this as, you know, we're going to reap something bad, right? We did something bad, so obviously we were selfish, so we're going to reap selfishness and those things. But this is not the context of what we're reading here because we're reading it in the context of us fearing God. And so that actually positions us for blessing from God. But law number one is that we only can reap what has been sown. Now the sower may be us. It may be others before us. It may be God who has sown on our behalf. And we can reap the good that others have sown. And sometimes we can reap the bad too. But there is, this biblical pre, there is this biblical precedent, and it's not just found here, but it's found throughout the rest of Scripture, that there is a reaping that comes based upon what has sown. That's why a lot of the times we might hear it talked about how we, we sow something, we might plant a seed, somebody else might reap it. In fact, it's one of the things that I, I love in context of just what we do here as a ministry and in church. Um, my challenge to us has been for a long time, will we continue to sow seed? Will we continue to pour into what God's doing, even if we never personally reap the harvest? What if the generation after us reaps a harvest? Will we still be faithful to what God's doing? And so we can only reap what has been sown, and God can sow on our behalf, and uh, we reap. Um, I believe, at least for me, the things that I have been reaping in my life have come from prayers of saints uh, a long time before me, praying for me, not for my own behalf. All of us reap something that we didn't sow when we received Jesus. And that was God sowing Jesus on our behalf that he might have us. And so that's good, good to know. Law number two is that we reap the same in kind as we sow, right? And so what I talk about with hatch chilies and popo chilies I can't plant a watermelon seed and expect an apple tree to come, right? In the same way, I can't sow in selfishness and expect, uh, expect, you know, selflessness to be reaped. I can't sow in anger and expect gentleness to be um, received. 
what we sow, we reap, and we reap the same kind. It's a simple biblical principle there. If I sow in generosity, I'll reap generous things. Law number three, we reap in a different season than we sow. This is important to note, right? Uh, we kind of think that maybe if I'm kind right now, then it's going to come right back to me. And sometimes the Lord works in that way, and he can expedite things. But often there's a waiting season in between when we plant something and we reap the harvest, right? That's just how physically it works. And in, in the kingdom, I've learned sometimes the, the, the germination period can be a lot longer than I anticipate, and we reap in a different season than we sow. And so in the same way, if you flip it on its head, a lot of the times we can sow in sin, right? We can live, uh, right? What's the saying? That sin is fun for a season. And in that season, we can sow a lot of discord. We can sow a lot of, uh, a lot of trouble and a lot of problems. And it's not an immediate harvest, right? But it does come due at some point in time. And so I think, uh, I think sometimes we sow... Uh, a bunch of bad seed, and then we pray to the Lord, let, let there be a crop failure or something, right? <laughs> Send the frost. <laughs> and sometimes in his mercy he comes, but I've learned that because he's a good father and he's a good teacher, he lets us learn from our mistakes a lot of the time. And so this is an awesome biblical principle, and I have so many verses of scripture, and so this is just condensed to get it through real fast. But law number four is that we reap more than what we sow. Right? We sow a tiny seed, but we reap a big harvest. And I believe that exponentially we receive uh, more than what we actually sow. And in the same way, when we sow uh, discord or we sow, uh, sow problems and sin, that it often comes back with a way heftier price tag than what we thought it would. But in the same way, right, talking about blessing and the fear of the Lord, I believe that the, the saying that you can't outgive God Um, and if you give God just a little bit of your life, I guarantee you it comes back full-fledged upon your life in in a mighty way. So we reap more than we sow. Law number five, we reap in proportion to what we sow. And so I say this in the sense, you just said we receive more than what we sow, but I believe exponentially uh, we receive in proportion to what we sow. So we sow a little, we're all only going to receive a little back. I believe it'll be more than what we sowed, but we're only going to receive a little back, right? If I, if I sow a generous portion, it comes back in a greater fold. This is right. We, Jesus talks about this: thirty, sixty, and a hundred fold, right? Um, so the 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 more that we sow, the more that we receive. But I believe it's in proportion to what we actually sow. Does that does that make sense? Okay, those are not contradictory. Uh, again, this is me trying my best to condense them into something that's manageable for a Sunday morning. Law number six was that we reap the full harvest of good only if we persevere. And this is uh, taken from a lot of the teachings on Jesus um, that uh, I believe many of us give up on the harvest. We give up on reaping the benefits of what God has in store for us because Satan does come and try to steal what God has planted. And I believe that there is a real benefit to us in perseverance if we want to reap the full benefit of what God's doing in our life. And uh, yeah, law number seven 
is I think something that you can really take to the bank and really helps bring things and ground them in perspective is that we can't do anything about last year's harvest, but we can do something about this year's. And I want you to know for every mistake that you've made, every kind of problem that uh, would have manifest, I believe that the Lord is gracious and he's generous and that in this sense that we can actually receive from the Lord and I, I would hate for us to get hung up about what happened in the past and live in the present, right? Does that make sense? I hope I did an okay job condensing those seven. Um, and I, I really feel like there's so much information there that I would love for you guys to pick up a copy of that, but also put it on our website and link it to our Facebook page for anybody that wants to read through the whole thing um, because it's, it's really beneficial. But I say all this to come back to the place of this verse in Psalm 128, verses 1 and 2. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. We have a promise from God that things will go well for us. We have a promise from the Lord that our life will be full for those who fear God. Um, consistently again and again and again throughout scripture we see this promise of the Lord that things are okay for those who fear God and I, I, I took this and saying how does that I mean how does that correlate when I read about like Paul being in prison right I mean he didn't have the prosperity like he, he didn't have the ton of money in his bank account right <laughs> I mean, most people would not look at the Apostle Paul and his circumstances and what was surrounding everything in his life and say, you know what, that's a man that's blessed, right? And you might be saying the same thing. You know what, I've served God for years and I never got a Bentley. I don't know why you'd want a Bentley in Pagosa, but <laughs> I'm saying all this in the sense that um, I don't want us to look at it through just a physical idea of blessing. Can I, carry, can I tell you that I believe Paul probably thought in the midst of him having nothing and locked up in a prison that he was one of the most blessed people on the planet because he had a revelation of the goodness of God. Had a, had a, had a revelation of his promises and, his, um, and, and could see his faithfulness demonstrated again and again and again and again. And so I want you to know that circumstances right now may not be ideal. And I don't want you to take that as, oh, man, I don't love Jesus and I don't have a fear of God because things are hard right now. I want you to understand that I don't, uh, I don't believe that in the least bit, but I do believe God allows us to go through things. I didn't say he causes them, but he allows us to go through things. His promise is that he would not allow us to be tempted beyond what we could bear, but he would actually be with us in the midst of it, right? Um, I believe that he allows us to go through trials. He allows us to go through tribulations. He allows us to go through times of lack for him to receive greater glory and, um, and for him to show himself faithful through it all. And in that sense, we're the richest when we're depending on him. Amen? And so uh, with that being said, this was my introduction to talk about the blessings of the fear of the Lord because there are 
real, tangible blessings that are associated with fearing God. Here in Psalm 128, as you continue to read, there are blessings that you'll have a full home, that you'll have children, that you'll have provision. If you continue to read, there are everything from blessing uh, upon your finances to blessings upon your marriage to blessings upon having a guardian angel. That's a real thing. Like, that's not just something that, like, media made up so that they could sell little trinkets. Uh, there are real, there's a real thing of guardian angels for those that fear God. That's cool, right? <laughs> um, there is promises of protection for your family as a place of refuge. There's promises even to live longer if you fear God. And uh, all of it comes to a place of really awesome, fun stuff that we're going to talk about. This was the introduction, my friends, and I want to pray for us in the sense that we would understand that the fear of the Lord is a good thing and that it helps us walk in obedience, which helps us love Jesus more. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Our ministry is made possible entirely by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this message and would like to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, visit us online at www.opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give, see our service times, and stay connected with Open Door Church. We hope to see you soon.